bullets. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. Strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, who can change the course of mighty rivers, bend steel in his bare hands, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 of the Man of Screen Podcast. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and in this episode, we're going to look at episodes 11 and 12 of season 5 of The Adventures of Superman, The Stolen Elephant, and Mr. Zero. Like I mentioned last week, these are episodes that are really not looked upon too fondly by fans of the show, but... And while the plots are pretty weak, there are good elements in each of the episodes that can be drawn out of them. You know, yes, Mr. Zero is pretty goofy, but, you know, there are things about not letting yourself be taken advantage of that, you know, young people can learn from Mr. Zero's mistakes. And the same can be said of The Stolen Elephant. It is a, uh, well... The Stolen Elephant is a little different, just kind of a goofy concept, but I have no complaints about the way the actors did their job, even if the writing is a little off for that particular episode. But before we get to that, I have some feedback to address from friend of the show, Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Podcast episode number 56, in which I started my coverage of season 5. Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Wow, you're into the home stretch now for the Adventures of Superman TV coverage. It's been a fun ride. I've appreciated your coverage of the Fleischer cartoons and the Kirk Allen serials, but this TV show will always have a big place in my heart, since George Reeves was my first live-action Superman. While it's probably true that season 5 is the weakest of the six seasons, I still enjoy them. In Peril in Paris, I enjoy the gag with Robert Shane as the mustached police inspector Lonier, with his explanation that perhaps all inspectors look alike. I have one minor correction to your comment explaining to younger listeners what the Iron Curtain was and what it wasn't. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive front four were known as the Iron Curtain, not as the Iron Curtain, but as the Steel Curtain. Me a couple there, I should have known that. They were, after all, the Steelers. An interesting note on the cast, Lillian Chauvin, who played Madame Constantine, was still acting into the first decade of the 21st century and passed away at age 82. In Tin Hero, I thought Perry's lament about the impending doom of the sad state of many of our great metropolitan newspapers. I agree with your comment that Superman seems less concerned than he should be with Smullins' safety than he really should be, but I put that down to this episode being aimed at kids, and I can see kids treating their friends in a similar way. Finally, I loved your idea that maybe Perry should talk to himself using a microphone for a podcast. I, for one, would be a regular listener to Perry White's Great Caesars Ghost Podcast. Thanks, as always. Live long and prosper. Dave McElvenny. And, uh, yeah, now I'm going to just uh, say Dave. Dave is, first and foremost, Dave. I'd like to thank you for correcting me, you know. Sometimes I do these things late at night, and sometimes I have a brain fart. Yeah, yes, of course the Steelers' defense would be the Steel Curtain. I don't know what possessed me to get that messed up. But, you know, I, I believe when I talked about uh, Inspector Lonier, I uh, believe I called back to Jimmy the Kid, in which Jimmy Olsen had a double, which figured heavily into the plot of that episode. You know, it just kind of goes to that saying that people like to say is that we all have a double out there somewhere. So that was Inspector Henderson's without the help of any plastic surgery like we saw in the first season, in the second season episode, Facing the Voice. So, again, I'd like to thank Dave for sending in his email. It is always appreciated. I'd love to hear from more of you. You can email me at manofscreen at gmail.com if you want to get in on the act the way Dave has. 
You can send me feedback or you can send me messages on Facebook, comment on my episode postings, whatever you like. Speaking of which, I do have a Facebook comment that requires some comment. Underneath my posting of episode 60, Steve J. Rogers writes that he was waiting for a Blues Banana Stand Arrested Development joke. There's always money in the stand. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Well, I will regret to inform Steve that I do not now, nor have I ever really watched Arrested Development. It's not that I have anything against the show. It's just that I just never got to it. There are a couple shows out there that I'd like to watch, but I have not gotten around to it for whichever which reason. Arrested Development is one of them. Modern Family is another. And the list kind of goes on and on. I've gotten to a point where I actually have to... uh had to quit a couple shows just, you know, to have enough so I wouldn't fall way behind on some of the ones that I really do like. So, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break and play a podcast promo, and then I'm going to come back with The Stolen Elephant. Hang around, folks. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're sparkling officers! Now start acting like it! Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple, Garrett. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will surely become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on TwoTrueFreaks.com. All right, welcome back, folks. We're going to head right into... The Stolen Elephant. Original broadcast date was May 17th, 1957. Writer was David Chandler. And the director was Harry Gerstad. Guest cast included Thomas E. Jackson as Mr. Haley. Eve McVeigh as Mrs. Wilson. Gregory Moffat as Johnny Wilson. I stand for Jolly as Spike. And Greg Martell as Busher. Now for our synopsis brought to you by SupermanHomePage.com. Your number one source for Superman information on the web. The Daily Planet is holding their annual picnic for underprivileged children this week. Reporters Clark Kent, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen are going to the Haley Circus to make arrangements for entertainment with owner Mr. Haley. This is Miss Lane, Mr. Olsen. How do you do? What's the matter, Mr. Haley? Something wrong? We're in trouble. You folks better sit down. Yes, dear? Yeah. Well, whatever it is, I didn't start it. At least not this time. Last week, your editor called me and told me that the Daily Planet was holding their annual picnic for underprivileged children. Well, that's why we're here tonight, to make the final arrangements. Yes, and I promised to have our prized baby elephant there for entertainment. That's right, sir, and the children are really looking forward to it. Well, we'll have to disappoint him this time. She's missing. Oh, no. We promised she'd be there. Why, Susie's the favorite of every child in the country. Now, just a minute, Lois. Take it easy. Don't get panicky. It's awfully tough to lose an elephant, even a baby one. She's not lost. Look at this. I found it on my desk. Don't call the police if you want your elephant back. You'll be contacted later. How about that? She's not missing. She's been stolen. But that doesn't make sense. Who ever heard of elephant napping? I'm afraid it does make sense. Susie's a very valuable animal. 
Just when did this happen, sir? Oh, a minute ago. An hour ago, I don't know. I was afraid to call the police. Well, that's where you made your first mistake. If the police have been called, they could have blocked off all the roads leading to this circus. I'll do as they say. I'll give them the money. You see, Susie's a sort of a personal pet to me. Yes, I can understand that, but you see, there are several hundred kids as well as the Daily Plant that have a stake in this now. And besides, even if you pay the money, what assurance do we have that they'll give you a Susie bag? That's the chance I'll have to take. Cheapers, Mr. Haley, after you gave your permission, Superman personally promised the kids to deliver Susie. Yes, that's right, Jimmy. And Superman always tries to keep his promises. But, Clark, they're probably a hundred miles away by now. That's right, in any direction. I don't know how, but we've got to try and find Susie. Lois, Clark, and Jimmy have no luck in finding Susie. Clark, you've got to contact Superman as soon as you can. Lois, trying to find an elephant in an area this big is just like trying to find a needle in a haystack. Even Superman has to begin somewhere. Well, you can't tell that to the kids at the picnic. Superman promised them Susie, and that's all they know. So just think Superman was lying to them. Well, I happen to know that Superman would rather find Susie than capture ten bank bandits. Right now, his hands are tied. Why don't you two go on home and try and get some sleep? I want to stay here and think. Okay, come on, Jimmy. Let's let the great brain work in peace. Well, good night, Mr. Kent. Good night. Guess now it's good morning. Elephant Nappers Busher and Spike have taken her to what they believe is a secluded, abandoned barn in Willowbrook. What they don't know is that Mrs. Wilson and her young son Johnny have recently purchased a farmhouse and land on which the structure is located. They try their best to be happy with what little they have in their new home. I picked some wild strawberries for breakfast, Mom. Well, for a city boy who just moved to the country, I'd say that's pretty good. Did you hear anything while you were asleep, Mom? I'm a pretty sound sleeper. Why, what'd you hear? Oh, I thought I heard something out back, but maybe I didn't. Country noises. It'll take us city folks a little while to get used to it. An owl, maybe, or even a fox. That's pretty lonely on a farm, doesn't it, Mom? We will get used to it. And you're bound to make friends pretty soon. Oh, I bet there's not a farm within a mile of here. Could we get some animals? They'd be lots of fun. Oh, of course we will. As soon as we can save a little money. Yeah, I guess so. I know what's wrong with you. You thought I forgot something, didn't you? Your birthday. Oh, that's not important. Well, I didn't forget. Happy birthday, darling. Marbles! Gee, thanks. I know it isn't much, but maybe next year... Oh, the marbles are swell, Mom. You're pretty swell yourself. What was that? More country noises, I guess. Maybe I better go out back and see. Can I? Of course. Don't stay too long. All right. Birthday present. Guys, just what I've always wanted. Just what you've always. Oh, I didn't. I mean. I bet I'm the only kid in the world that's got his own private elephant. And it's just a baby, too. Just wait till he grows up. I can hardly wait. Gee, I'm going to give you a swell name and get you all the peanuts you can eat. And I'll take you every place. 
Except unless they don't allow elephants in school. Johnny, there's something I've got to tell you. It is mine, isn't it? Yes, I, I guess so. At least for right now. Mr. Haley has given Clark some terrible news. Oh, Mr. Haley. Any news, sir? Yeah. Some slimy voice called and said, get $10,000 ready in cash and small bills and wait for the next contact. $10,000? Yes, and Susie's worth every cent of it. I'd pay it even if she were Now, look here, Mr. Haley. I think it's high time I went to the police with this. No, no, this is my affair, and I'm going to do it their way. Well, where are you going? I'm going down to the bank and get $10,000. In the meantime, Spike and Busher know that the farm is no longer deserted. While Busher has a plan to keep Superman occupied, he will need another one to get Susie off the Wilson's property without anyone seeing him and his partner in crime. Busher and Spike have been caught by Johnny as they attempt to leave with Susie. Why, we were just taking her back where she belongs, kid. She belongs here. She's mine. Tell you what, kid, I'll buy her from you. I'll give you $2. I wouldn't sell her for $5. I wouldn't sell her for anything. Well, I was just trying to be nice, kid. The fact is, we own the elephant. Our truck broke down the other night, and we had to leave her here. She's yours? Sure. We raised her from a puppy. How do I know she's yours? Why, uh, I have the elephant's registration slip right here, son. I can't read most of these words. What's that number? J24Y97. That's her number. Every elephant's got to have a number. That proves who owns it. I guess you're not mine after all, girl. But I'll never forget you. Honest, I'll never forget you. Well, sorry, kid, but we got to get her home. Okay, mister. Take Come good on. care of her, will you, mister? Sure. Please? Johnny is depressed over his pet going away, yet he's also suspicious of the pair of criminals. Oh, hi, Johnny. Hungry? Not very. Been eating too many of your elephant's peanuts? Mom, it's not my elephant. What do you mean? I never want to have another pet as long as I live. It didn't hurt you, did it, darling? She wouldn't hurt me. We were pals. Johnny, please, tell me what's the matter. The real owners. They came and got her. The real owners? Mm-hmm. They had a paper and everything to prove it. I didn't like them. They looked mean. Oh, Johnny, it was all my fault. I don't understand it all, but I should have told you right away. It's not your fault. You were just trying to give me a good birthday. But it was wrong. Sometimes we hurt people because we love them so much. Anyway, the marbles were swell. You just sit there. We'll have a nice dinner. We won't do anything about the house anymore today. We'll do whatever you want. We could go in, in town to a movie, maybe. Uh, look in the paper for one you like. All right. Mom, look. It says something here about a baby elephant. Baby elephant stolen from circus. One of the feature attractions of Haley's Circus, a baby elephant named Susie, was stolen yesterday and is believed being held for ransom. Then she wasn't mine after all. I'm afraid not. But it was your birthday and you were so excited and happy, I didn't think it would do any harm for you to own it for a day or two. It was fun. But those two mean-looking men that were here, they must be the ones who stole Susie from the circus. Yes, and we'd better do something about it. It says here by Clark Kent, 
He's the one who knows Superman. I better call him, Mom. Can I? Can I, please? Of course you can, dear. Do whatever you want if it makes you feel better about Susie. Hello? Hello? This is Johnny Wilson. I'd like to call Mr. Kent at the Daily Planet in the city. Thanks, operator, and please hurry. It's important. Clark Kent speaking. Hello, Mr. Kent. I'm Johnny Wilson, and Susie was in our shed, and I thought Mom gave her to me for a birthday present until the men came and took her away. Now, take it easy, Johnny, one thing at a time. You said there was an elephant in the shed? Yes, a baby one, honest. But the men came and took her away. They said they owned her. What men, Johnny? What men do you mean? I don't know, but they looked mean. Please, Mr. Kent, they might hurt her. Didn't your friend Superman do something? Well, Johnny, I think that's a fine idea. In fact, if I know Superman, I think he'll come out and see you personally. Now, where do you live? Tell him it's RFD 30 in Willowbrook, and I'll be outside waiting. All right, Johnny, you do just that. Goodbye. How do you do, Mrs. Wilson? At the moment, I really don't know. Well, can you tell me exactly what's been happening? Well, we found Susie in the barn, and then the men came and took her away. They even showed me the elephant registration. They showed you an elephant registration? Yeah. I even remember the numbers on it. It was J24Y97. Well, I hope that may make some sense later on. Could you identify these men if you saw them again? Sure, I'd know them anywhere. Good. Mrs. Wilson, do you suppose you could take Johnny into town and leave him with Mr. Haley at the circus? I think we may need him a little later for identification of these thieves. Of course, Superman. I think Johnny would enjoy that more than the movie anyway. Golly, we're gonna get Susie back. Well, let's hope so, Johnny. Right now, will you excuse me? Sure. As Johnny and his mother head for the Haley circuit after talking with Superman, a toy rocket has arrived. Golly, Superman, is it good to I've see you? I've already said that. What are you doing with this rocket? I don't know. I was walking around outside and somebody gave it to me and said to give it to Mr. Haley right away. But this is too much. Wait a minute. Let's see what this says here. You'll receive this at 10.30. Place money in starting panel on top. That must be it there. Then point the missile due north and launch by pressing button on the side. There. Launching must take place by 10.35 or else. Well, that's very clever. A guided missile. And no time to alert an airplane or a helicopter to follow it. Sounds like a foolproof way to collect ransom money. I got the money right here. What'll I do with this, Superman? Well, forget about the money. We must launch the rocket, however. Cheapers, I get it. We don't have time to notify a helicopter or an airplane. But we've got Superman. That's right, Jimmy. All right, Jimmy. Push the button. Superman follows the flying model, not realizing that it is merely a decoy. The ship has actually landed 300 miles from Busher Spike and Susie's location. The pair of thieves leave to get their cash, leaving the elephant alone in their hideout. Superman may have been duped. Spike and Busher are in the manager's tent at Haley's Circus. You could have told us that first night, Johnny. But I didn't know. I thought Susie was my birthday present. No one's blaming you, Johnny. Golly, I hope Superman saves her. That's all I care about now. 
That's them. Well, this is an outrage. Who are you? Ask the kid. Well, Pop, where's the money? Money? What money? I haven't got any money. Spike, take a look. It's the loot. Yeah. Okay, get that rope and tie him up. All right, sit down. Come on, turn around. That'll tell you where Susie is. Just be good, and somebody's bound to come along and untie you pretty soon. But what about the guided missile? <laughs> I knew Superman would stick his nose into this. That was just to keep him out of the way. Looks like this is one time Superman was outsmarted. Yeah. Come on, hurry up and let's go. It's too late, Superman. They've been here and gone. I had to give them the money, Superman. I know. I finally figured out what their game had to be. This tells us where Susie is. Let's see. Yes, it tells us where to go, all right. Can we go get her? Can we? Might as well. Looks like they win this one. Oh, Johnny, wait a minute. Come here a minute, will you? What was that number you gave me? You know, the one about the elephant registration number? J24197. All right, thank you very much. Now, you better go help find Susie, huh? Superman finds Busher and Spike. They gotta get up awful early to outsmart you, eh, boss? Pretty early. Here's yours, Spike. Good. 10,000 slickers. You will need that money, gentlemen, where you're going. How'd you find us? Your elephant registration number. I checked with the Department of Motor Vehicles, and sure enough, it was your car registration. Well, when they get out, Susie will be a full-grown elephant. Plus, Johnny Wilson has a lifetime pass to Haley Circuit to visit Susie and see shows during summer vacation, no matter what city the animal the performers are in. Well, as the saying goes, all's well that ends well. No thanks to you, Mr. Ken. Well, it's not quite ended. You might say this is an official elephant registration. It's a lifetime pass to the circus, and you're invited to spend your summer vacation with us, no matter where we are. You know to take care of Susie? Did you hear that, Mom? Did you hear that, Susie? Gee, thanks, Mr. Haley. What a birthday present. And I even got to meet Superman, Mr. Kent. Johnny, it was his pleasure, I'm sure. And I guess Johnny also had a birthday he'll never forget, thanks to the crooks who deposited an elephant in his barn. So, like I said, this is not the best episode out there of this show. The concept of a pair of criminals stealing an elephant from the circus and holding it for ransom is kind of out there. And I just can't buy that there's any way that these two criminals are going to control an elephant long enough to get the ransom money. I don't by that portion of this episode. I mean, I guess this episode is great for the kiddies. I mean, when you think about it, you know, I'm a fan of elephants. I'd have to imagine that kids, you know, who go to circuses are fans of elephants. So, you know, why wouldn't kids want to see an episode about Superman rescuing a stolen elephant? You know, maybe it's just my adult sensibilities that find uh, this episode to be silly. Maybe if I was could put myself back in those kids' shoes watching this episode, and some episodes I can, at least the ones that I remember watching when I was a kid, but 
An episode like this that I don't really remember from my youth. I probably have a little bit more of trouble putting my kid eyes back into my head. And I'm looking at it more with adult sensibilities. And honestly, my adult sensibilities are telling me that a story about a stolen elephant is pretty dumb. So, let's do this thing, shall we? We start off with our Daily Planet reporters at the circus. And they are seeing a Mr. Haley. You know, this is the first thing I noticed when we said Mr. Haley and start hearing about Haley's circus. I'm thinking about Nightwing. Or Robin, rather, for that matter. And uh, the first word Mr. Haley says in this episode is, we have trouble. The first thing I'm thinking is that this trapeze artist were murdered and their preteen son was taken in by a rich playboy. And Haley's Circus did make its first appearance in 1940 in Detective Comics number 38. But this is a name check and no more. And The Adventures of Superman is not a Batman show. And The Man of Screen podcast is... Not a Batman show either, so we're going to move on to the Superman stuff. And even at the circus, Jimmy is even, is still defensive. As soon as Mr. Haley says there's been some trouble, Jimmy's like, I didn't do it. Well, of course you didn't, Jimmy. You're at the circus. You only really cause trouble at the Daily Planet building. So apparently this elephant that is now missing, or as Mr. Haley put it, stolen, was promised for the children's picnic. And Lois is absolutely distraught, not because the elephant is missing, but because the children will be disappointed. Children that we are never going to see in this episode. We're never going to see Superman deliver this elephant to the children's charity picnic, even though that's something I would really like to see. But 1950s technology is not going to allow George Reeves to carry an elephant to see some children. So there's a ransom note for the elephant. And my first question is, how does one steal an elephant without anybody noticing? They're not exactly small. You cannot put it in your pocket. But I guess, you know, that's the same way you move the town of Ackport in the town that wasn't. You not only move all your furniture, but you take your house with you. And being that Superman has promised he's going to deliver the elephant, that gives him a stake in the elephant napping as well. So, you know, Superman is, you know, he's very concerned. Clark is very concerned. They have to find Susie because the children are all going to be mad at Superman and if he can't deliver. Because that's how children are. So, here are two criminals uh, transporting an elephant. And uh, one of my early notes as I watch this episode is... I wonder how they're going to get this creature to move, and we're going to come back to that later. Here's how they come up to a barn, and you see Susie's trunk uh, hanging out the back. Uh, You know, I don't think it's very common seeing two men transporting an elephant down the highway, but that's why they're driving at night, and they didn't want anybody seeing that elephant's trunk sticking out the back. It was nice of them to uh, leave some air for Susie to breathe. I guess they're not cruel criminals, just guys who uh, had a big plan. So anyway, they come up to this barn. They've parked perpendicular to the barn. And, you know, perhaps they should have backed straight up to it because the elephant is going the wrong way when it comes out of the trailer there. And it's quite comical seeing uh, one of these criminals, I believe this particular one is Spike, pulling an elephant by the tail. I did some quick research while I was watching this episode, and I have uh, I have found no indication of that as the proper way to guide an elephant. Maybe it would have been funny if these guys were stampeded, but it is quite hilarious watching this guy trying to pull an elephant by its tail into a barn. So then we get a crack from Busher about uh, his big ideas, you know, which is a play on words about how big the elephant is. And uh, I'll admit it, I chuckled. I'm not exactly proud of that, but I did. Well, anyway, Lois is now guilting Clark to get Superman on the case, but he doesn't know where to begin. And Clark comments that Susie is going to be out somewhere. However, he is doing a very good job just kind of sitting at his desk. He's not going to find her if he doesn't leave. I mean, can't he fly around and listen for elephant noises? How many elephants can there possibly be in or around Metropolis that aren't at a zoo or a circus? Here is this farm kid, and he's some something special for an Avengers of Superman child. He lives with an actual parent, not an uncle, not a great-grandfather. 
an actual honest-to-God biological parent. Something unusual in the adventures of Superman. That's not a dad, though. So, and uh, apparently they've uh, left the city and now live on a farm. It is Johnny Wilson's birthday, and uh, they must have just bought the farm, so they, maybe they're hard up for cash or escaped the city. I don't know, maybe my dad got a divorce or something. Whatever your head canon tells you for why this woman and her kid wound up on a farm is up to you. And she gives him some marbles, and, you know, it's not the greatest present in the world, but she's doing her best. And, uh, you know, he's hearing a lot of strange country noises. You know, it's strange when you move from the city to the country. I mean, I didn't move to a farm, but I did move to a pretty rural area in 45 miles north of New York City where I previously lived. And it's strange going to bed and not hearing the dogs barking and the police sirens and things like that. So he's still getting used to the sounds of the country. So eventually they kind of hear the trumpeting of the elephant and he goes to the barn and he finds Susie in it. And he thinks it was a birthday present. One of my notes here that I made early on while I was viewing, I basically said that these two idiot criminals didn't check to see if anyone lived at the farm before they stashed the elephant. They do come back to that, and Busher says that the farm was deserted when he last checked it, but you know what? If you're bringing uh, an animal that weighs several tons, perhaps you should check again, just in case. You don't want some random 12-year-old stumbling upon uh, an elephant that shouldn't be there. Here's Clark, who I'm betting has done absolutely no searching for Susie as Superman, so perhaps reading the newspaper will give him a clue, or maybe he wrote a story that will solve all of his problems for him. But whatever it is, he hasn't done it. So Mr. Haley gets a call from the kidnappers. They want $10,000 for the elephant's safe return. Well, Mr. Haley won't go to the police. Meanwhile, Bobby, who is apparently hard up for friends, is uh, making friends with Susie, and, and I am personally no expert on elephant body language. But it looks upset, and I guess is that laying down is a way to show that it's sad? I don't know. The elephant does look kind of mopey. So apparently it was Spike that made the call about to Mr. Haley regarding Susie. Like I mentioned before, this is when we find out that the farm was deserted when Busher checked it. But it is clearly no longer now. He mentioned they must have moved in during the course of the week. And I reiterate, if you're going to stash an elephant in a barn... You should probably check again immediately before you stash the giant creature. Spike and Busher are back at the farm, and they are caught moving the elephant as Johnny, who is appropriately suspicious of these two characters, catches them. Pay attention here. Johnny asks for some identification, and he Busher gives him a card with an alphanumeric sequence, and, you know, right away I was pretty much guessing that this was his car registration and license plate, but Johnny wouldn't know too much about that, about what a car registration is at his age. He kind of takes it at face value, and he lets them go off with Susie. So, the elephant is gone, and Johnny is all distraught. You know, this, this particular kid, Gregory Moffat, it's kind of weird talking, to him, talking about him as a kid, as he's probably uh, in his 70s at this point, and he is still alive today, as far as I know. He recently made a comment in the Adventures Continue Facebook group, which is hosted by Jim Nolt, who is a TV historian. And a big fan of the Adventures of Superman. And he shed some light on the way contracts were handled, you know, as far as reruns of the show and whatnot. And he talked a little bit about what his contract entailed. I tried to look for those comments, but it was so long ago that it probably got buried in the netherworld of Facebook. But Gregory Moffat is still alive, and apparently uh, he looks back fondly on his one episode of the Adventures of Superman. So it's always good to hear that, you know, someone who guessed it on the show as a child looks back on it with, they're pretty fond memories. Just about everybody ever associated with this show is gone. Phyllis Coates is the only one that remains of the main cast, and 
I'm not sure how many of the guest stars are still around. Probably just some of the kids. I believe Judy Nugent, the girl from Around the World with Superman, and the girl from The Birthday Letter, whose name is escaping me at the moment, I believe they're both alive. So if anyone is alive these days who did any kind of work on this show, it's the child actors in the episode that had them. I haven't checked, but I wonder if Bobby from The Prince Albert Coat is still alive. And a quick check to IMDb shows that he is not. He died about three years ago at the age of 68. But like I said, Gregory Moffat here, right here does Mopey very well. But I don't know if I'm buying his sadness. He just looks like it. He's trying to convey that he is distraught over the elephant. But, you know, he just kind of looks just depressed. I mean, he's not really overselling it by crying and acting all hysterical. But he's just kind of wafting through space in a very mopey way. Probably what a kid would do. You know, and you can tell that jo- Johnny is lonely. We don't know what happened, why they're at the farm, but he clearly has no friends as his elephant was apparently his only one. You know what? His mother probably shouldn't have told him that she bought the elephant for his birthday. You know, he found the elephant in the barn and just kind of assumed that his mother bought it for him. So that may not have been the best play on her part. And she kind of comes clean about that now, which is good. You know, as a parent myself, you know, I try not to... They make it difficult, to be sure, but I try not to promise the kids... Things that I know I'm not going to deliver on. And, you know, you definitely want to not take credit for things that you didn't do. Because, you know, like it's... That can come back to bite you, as it does for Johnny's mother here, so... And now we're going to come to one of my pet peeves about the show. I talked a little bit about this last week with Prince Albert Coat, and I'm going to mention it again. That even this farm kid with no friends knows that Clark Kent knows Superman. Is it on a billboard or something? If you want to get hold of Superman, call Clark Kent at the Daily Planet. Metropolis, one, two, three, four, five. Johnny calls the planet, talks to Clark, and orders a visit from Superman, much the same way you or I would order a pizza. And Clark is on his way to the storeroom, changing into Superman. After all, his reputation is on the line here. Superman promised the kids he would deliver Susie, and he has to do everything he can to make sure that happens. Alright, so, Superman arrives at the farm, and the mother is apparently flustered by the presence of Superman. Okay, quick costuming note here. Mama Wilson here is dressed in high heels on her farm. Does she plan on doing any farming in that outfit? I'm all confused about these people living on a farm anyway. They don't exactly look like farm people. So, but that's neither here nor there. We're never going to get an answer to that. So, make up your own story if you are inclined to do so. And let me know what you come up with. Manascreen at gmail.com. There's something I've been noticing throughout my viewing of this series. that Apparently, whenever Superman is questioning something, George Reeves kind of pulls his ear. I don't know if that's something he's working into the role or just kind of a George Reeves twitch or something. That's something he does. And as he, that Superman eventually leaves, and when we covered the town that wasn't, Bob Fisher mentioned that Superman's country takeoff from the jail was used again. Here it is right here. So that's twice for that particular takeoff. So now, back at the circus, here comes Jimmy with some kind of model rocket. A keen observer will note that this is the same one that Bush was working on earlier in the episode when he and Spike were in that little shed. And as always, Jack Larson looks great hauling this thing into the tent. You know, he's carrying this thing that's almost as big as he is. He's fighting with the curtain and he's struggling to pull it in. The facial expressions is all just great vintage Jack Larson. And of course, he has his usual exuberance when he sees Superman. And I'm going to use this particular sequence to point out that even though the episode is pretty dumb, that doesn't mean the actors and crew didn't do their jobs well. I mean, this episode has a bad concept. A stolen elephant is a silly concept. But you know what? I do like this gimmick with the rocket, so there are things to like in this episode. Little detail-type things, but not the overall plot. 
And there's another nice shot here as George Reeves times his leap with the rocket. So you do kind of see the rocket kind of fly across the screen and, and Superman take off. So it was a very well done shot. Usually the takeoffs and landings are canned. So it's always a treat when you get to see uh, see one done for the episode. Because the rocket fl- flies across the, be- the shot during the takeoff, you're never going to see this one in another episode. So I love seeing unique taking off shots in the Avengers of Superman. Most of the landings are done for the scene they're done for. So as it's flying through the air, the rocket looks animated, but it doesn't look bad, you know. It's pretty much on par with the other flying effects from the show. What happens next is kind of limited by the capabilities of 1950s special effects. Superman runs off after the rocket lands. If this were done today or even in a comic book, he probably would have just kind of hovered out of sight and then closed in at the last moment. But then, you know, Busher and Spike show up at the circus. You know, they're one step ahead of Superman, and I like that. Bobby is still feeling bad about the situation, and Spike and Bush find the money. Because Bobby mentioned that, oh, look, it's them. These are the guys who took, took the elephant. Now, Lois is giving us some exposition about Superman being outsmarted, and when he shows up to the tent to rescue them, he admits defeat. At least only for a second. You know, Superman is not going to be defeated by these two crooks, but he does come up with another idea. Remember the elephant registration number? Remember how I said that I was pretty sure at that moment, when I watched the episode, that it was a license plate number on a car registration? Yep, that was it. And I love the smirk on Superman's face as he tells him that. And of course, Superman does come into the room with a very nice kick down of a door. Then we can get our ending. Uh, during the ending, Lois needs to point out that Clark did nothing, but it's a nice little ending. Johnny gets his uh, little uh, his circus passes and his admission to the circus, and, you know, everybody's happy. We move on. So, I'm going to take a quick break, play a podcast promo, and then we're going to come back with Mr. Zero. Hang around, folks. 30 years ago, I walked into a comic store, and I picked up G.I. Joe and the Transformers number one. A month later, I came back. They say every journey has a first step. Every story has a beginning. This is mine. I may have begun my comics collecting career in earnest in 1990, but from the fall of 1986 until the fall of 1987, I was a regular at my LCS. So in honor of 30 years of collecting comics, I'll be recapping and reviewing all of them on the days they originally came out. So join me, Tom Panneries, for Origin Story, a podcast miniseries starting this September at popcultureaffidavit.com and twotruefreaks.com. Alright, welcome back folks. We're going to head right into Mr. Zero. Original broadcast date was May 24th, 1957. Writer was Peggy Chandler and director was Harry Gerstad. Guest cast includes Billy Curtis as Mr. Zero, Herb Vigran as Georgie Gleep, George Barrows as Slouchy Magoon, and Leon Elton as the store clerk, and George Spots as the Martian ruler. Now for our synopsis, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. 
An unidentified rocket ship has been seen flying over the desert. Yes, yes, I understand. Of course, you realize I can't make any promises, but I'll do the best I can. Yes, I'll call you. Goodbye. Chief, you're using your serious voice. What was that all about? That was General Thompson of the Department of Defense. What do you want? They spotted an unidentifiable aircraft over the desert. Oh, no, not those tired flying saucers again. No, this was more like a rocket ship. What do they expect you to do about it? Find it. Find it? A rocket ship? They're kind of hard to lose, aren't they? They're not exactly small. Now, this is serious, Kent. All their efforts to locate it have failed. The general has one last hope, Superman. And they're hoping you can contact him and tell him to get busy. Now, just a minute, Chief. You know I'm working on the story already, and besides, what makes you think I can turn Superman on and off like a water faucet? Well, try it, and that's an order. Isn't that kind of a silly way for a grown man to spend his time? Well, Chief, if you think it's so silly, why don't you try to make one yourself? Meanwhile, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen cannot believe his eyes. Man, I've been working too hard. Please take me to your leader. What did you say? Take me to your leader. That's what I thought you said. I want to see someone in command. Well, Mr. White's the boss. Is that the same as a leader? Well, it's almost the same. A little more so. Will you take me to him? Well, he only sees people by appointment. And anyway, he's out to lunch. <laughs> You stop pulling my leg. But I wasn't pulling your leg. Honest, I wasn't. What good would that do either of us? Hi, Jimmy. Who's your friend? Then you see him too? Of course I see him. That's a relief. Are you the boss? No, I just work around here. Perhaps I can help you? Green hair. Back home, we all have green hair. Uh-huh. And uh, where is back home? Mars. It's just about the finest place anywhere. And I'll never get to see it again. Not ever. Oh, come now. Things can't be as bad as all that. They're even worse. Well, now, why don't you begin at the beginning and tell me all about it? Then Mr. Ken will write all about you in the newspaper. That'd make you feel better, wouldn't it? No. No, because then everyone would know. You mean there's something to be ashamed of? Yes, I'm ashamed of being... ashamed of being... measly. They said I'd never die. I'd just measly away. That's why they banished me. They banished you from Mars, you know. <laughs> They said... They said I was a disgrace to all of them. Because I can't do anything. They said it's because I'm so measly. Sometimes I think I'm just stupid. Oh, that's ridiculous. I don't believe anybody thinks you're stupid. Besides all this, I'm too little. Everyone on Mars is four feet, two inches tall. And I'm only four feet, one and three quarter inches tall. And they only make one size. Did you ever see a Lucy uniform? 
And my whole life, all I ever wanted was a pair of shoes that fit. Well, now, let's not worry about that. That's no problem. I'm sure we can get clothes to fit you, Mr. Uh, uh, by the way, what is your name, sir? We don't have names. We have numbers. I'm zero, 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 minus one. A real nothing. Well, I don't think you're a nothing. How do you do, Mr. Zero, 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 minus one? I'm Clark Kent. That's Jimmy Olsen. Oh, uh, is it all right with you if we call you Mr. Zero? Sure. Hi, Jimmy. Wow. What's that? That is what is commonly referred to as a girl. Around here, we refer to her as Miss Lane. I'm very happy to make your acquaintance, Miss Lane. I've never seen anyone like you before. Well, haven't you got some word for your young admirer? Women. You never know how they're going to act. One time they yak, 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 and the next time they won't even say hello. Just standing there like that, she's about the prettiest thing I ever saw. Even if she doesn't have green hair. Yes. Uh, Jimmy, would you take Mr. Zero downtown and buy him some clothes, please? Well, sure, Mr. Kent. Would you like that, Mr. Zero? Golly, it certainly would be a relief not to be tripping over my trousers. Try the boys' department. Come on, Mr. Zero. Goodbye, Mr. Kent. Goodbye, Mr. Zero. So long, stone face. Hello, is you all right? I'm all right now, I think. What was that all about? Gosh, I don't know, Clark. I came in here and that funny little man pointed at me. It was the strangest sensation. I couldn't move or talk. Who was he? Well, you better sit down for this one. He says his name is 000-1 and he just dropped down from Mars. Oh, Clark, how gullible can you get? That's what the little man said. Don't tell me you believe him. I don't know, Lois. I can't think of any better explanation. And also, the Department of Defense sighted an unidentifiable aircraft that even Superman couldn't find. I don't get the connection. I think I'm beginning to. If what the little man told us was true, if he was banished from Mars just for being measly... How mean. Yes. Then they might have brought him down in a rocket ship, dumped him, and turned right around and gone off again. Well, I'd hate to try to sell that idea to the Defense Department. Yes, so would I. But right now, the thing that concerns me is what happened to when he pointed his finger at you? Do you suppose he has some weird kind of power? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I felt pretty weird. Hmm. I wonder if, if he does have it. And what's more important, I wonder if he knows he has it. As Mr. Zero was trying on clothing at a store, Georgie Gleebenters, the Martian points, freezing Gleep where he stands. He recovers after Jimmy and Zero leave. Clerk tells Gleep of Zero being a friend of Jimmy and Clark's from Mars. This and Zero's strange power give Gleep an idea, one that could put the hapless alien in grave danger if Superman is unable to rescue him. Well, hi, sport. Do you like it? Sure do. Well, Jimmy, you did a great job. Thanks, Mr. Kent. Mr. Zero, I have a question to ask you, sir. How did you get to Earth? They flew me down by rocket ship. And they let you out in the desert? Yes. And then turned right around and flew back to Mars? That's right. Uh-huh. That's what I thought. I'm gonna have to tell the chief this. I know he's not going to believe it, but I have to give him the old school try. 
Chief. Mr. White. What? <laughs> I uh, have a report for you on that missing rocket ship. Of course, I don't expect you to believe it. Mr. Zero, do you know what happens when you point your finger at someone? Well, sometimes you get your hand slapped because it's not polite. My mother always used to tell me so. No, I mean when you point at someone. No. Point at Jimmy. See? That's what happened when you pointed at me before. I just froze. Oh, Miss Lane, I didn't hurt you, did I? I wouldn't hurt you for anything in the universe. Of course not. It went away in a few minutes, just like it will with Jimmy. Watch. Mm. I think I just broke the record for long yawning. I didn't know I could do that. I think it must have something to do with you coming from a different planet. The difference in the atmosphere or something. Thank you, Professor Einstein. Come in. I'm looking for Clark Kent. Uh, that is, I'm looking for you. Who are you? Uh, Georgie Glee. What do you want with Mr. Zero? Just want to show him a little hospitality. Introduce him to a few of the boys, maybe. That's awfully nice, Mr. Gleep. Oh, you just call me Georgie. All right, Georgie. You can call me Zero. You know, Zero, word's gotten around about you. It isn't every day we get a visitor from Mars. Now, being new here, you're going to need a lot of friends. How about coming out to the house? Well, I'd like that very much, Georgie. Good. Don't you think you'd better wait, Mr. Zero? What's to wait for? Just being neighborly? And after all, Miss Lane, I can't hang around you, Jimmy, and Mr. Kent all the time. That would be an imposition. Well, you're a big boy. Do whatever you think is right. There's nothing wrong in making friends, is there? Of course there ain't. Come on, chum. So long, Jimmy. Miss Lane. Bye, Mr. Zero. So long, Mr. Zero. Somehow or other, I don't trust that Georgie Gleep. Me neither. Where's Mr. Zero? I told the chief about him. He wants to see him right away. Doesn't believe in him. <laughs> Thinks I've been overworking or something. Well, he just left with a new friend, uh, Georgie Gleep. Georgie Gleep. Gleep. Georgie Gleep. Yeah, name sounds familiar. I can't remember from where. You don't seem very happy about it. Well, I'm not. I'm not lost. The vibrations I get aren't good. Not a bit good. They are right to be worried, for Gleep intends to exploit Mr. Zero and his ability to freeze in a crime spree that could even stop Superman in his tracks. Slouchy will be along any minute. Who's Slouchy? Slouchy Magoon, one of the best friends a guy ever had. Real prince of a man. Oh, hiya, Slouchy. Hiya. Slouchy, I want you to meet a real smooth operator. Mr. Zero, Slouchy Magoon. How do you do, Mr. Magoon? Hiya, Zero. Green hair? Sure. Zero's gonna be a real big help to us. I am? You sure are. How? Well, I was just getting to that. Uh, Slouchy, you're in on this, too. You see, Zero, in this world of ours, there are the good people, and then again, there are the bad people. I guess I've been lucky. So far, I've just met the good ones. Yeah, that's right. Like uh, Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen and Miss Lane. Yeah, they're all real fine. <laughs> and you and Mr. Magoon taking me in as a friend right off the bat? 
That's pretty nice, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, but uh, there are a lot of rough characters in this town that you don't know about yet. Where are they? Well, every day from 10 o'clock in the morning till 3 in the afternoon, they hang out in that big stone building just around the corner from the Daily Planet. And do you know what they're doing? No. Counting money. Money? What's that? Take it easy, will you, Slouchy? Why did you hit yourself? Were you bad? He, he was uh, killing a mosquito. <laughs> Seemed to be a lot of them around here today. Uh, but uh, to get back to the money. Money is something that's real handy to have around if you want to keep on living. You see, it uh, pays the rent, so you have a place to flop, and you can exchange it for food. Oh, I see. And do you know whose money those bad guys have got in that big stone building? No. Miss Lane's. How did they get it? Well, being a lady, not knowing any better, she gave it to them. Then she must have wanted them to have it. She's very kind, you know. Uh, no, 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 you don't understand, Zero. You see, she trusted them with it for safekeeping. Now, they're supposed to give it back to her whenever she needs it. But they don't want to give it back to her because they want to keep it for themselves. Yeah, the dirty rats. I see you're beginning to get the message. Yeah, I'm reading you real good, Georgie. Good. That's awful. Then Miss Lane won't be able to get any food. And she'll be hungry. Yeah. She won't be able to pay the rent. She'll be cold. We won't have any place to sleep. Well, we just can't let that happen to Miss Lane, can we, Zero? We certainly can't. But what are we going to do? I'm glad you asked me that. Because that's where you come in. Now, here's the idea. Just before 3 o'clock, we go down to that stone building I was telling you about, see? We park the car out in front. The Metropolis State Bank is the crook's first target. Tellers are frozen on the spot by Mr. Zero's finger as Slouchy and Gleep take the money. Mr. Zero has returned to Lois, Jimmy, and Clark. He's been gone over three hours, Lois. He should never have been allowed to go off with that cheap, petty crook, Gleep. I'm sorry, Clark. Golly, if anything happens to him, I'll never forgive myself. Mr. Zero! Golly, is it good to see you. Why? What's happened? That's just what I was about to ask you. Where have you been? I can't tell you. I gave my word. Mr. Zero, Georgie Gleep is not a nice man. Oh, you must have another Georgie Gleep in mind, Mr. Kent, because this one's so kind and good as can be. So's his friend Slouchy. Slouchy Magoon? That's right. Oh, no. What's the matter? Well, Magoon and Gleep have been known to pull off quite a few robberies in their day. Robberies? What's that? Well, that's when you take something that doesn't belong to you. But it was the others who did that. They took... Ah, and what did they take? I'm very sorry. I can't tell you. Oh, hi, Mr. Zero. Hello, Jimmy. Mr. Kent, I, um... I forgot to cash a check today. Could you possibly loan me five bucks till tomorrow? Well, I'm afraid not, Jimmy. You see, I'm running a little short myself. I can, Jimmy. I got some money from the bank today. Come on, it's in my office. Oh, good, Miss Lane. Wait a minute, Miss Lane. What did you say? Oh, I'm going to lend Jimmy five dollars. No, I mean about getting the money from the bank. Oh, well, that's very simple. I wrote out a check and they gave me what I wanted. They did? Well, of course. But Georgie said... Uh, what did Georgie say? I think you better tell us the whole story. 
He said there were bad people in that building. And they weren't going to give Miss Lane any of her money, so she'd be cold, hungry, and... Oh, what have I done? Now, look. Nobody ever gained anything from crying. What happened? While I... While I pointed my finger at the men, Georgie and Slouchy took all of Miss Lane's money. A lot of other people's, too, I'll bet. Do you know what they did with it? They said they were going to mail it to Miss Lane because she wouldn't ever know who did the good deed. Oh, Miss Lane, I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. Oh, that's all right. We'll think of something. They were right to banish me from Mars. I'm no good. Just no good. Now, now, don't say that. You're very nice. You just made a mistake, but it's not your fault. But it is. It is. If it hadn't, if it hadn't been for me. Have you any idea where they took the money? No, but I know where Georgie lives. Oh, you do? Where? It's a little place out on the road, all by itself. Just past the place where they stopped to put something in their car so they could go some more. You must mean a filling station. Yes, I think I know the place. A sort of an old, run-down house, is that right? Yes. And Mr. Kent, you've got to let me help you get Miss Lane's money back again. I'll do anything. Well, I'm afraid this sounds more like a job for Superman. Superman? We've heard about him even on Mars. From the time he took care of those meteors. He's a good friend of Mr. Kent's. Um, if I can arrange it, would you like to help Superman get Miss Lane's money back for her? Oh, yes. Can you arrange it? Well, I'll try. Jimmy, here's the key to my car. You drive Mr. Sir over to Georgie's hideout. And get there as fast as you can, but uh, don't break any speed laws. Sure, Mr. Kent. Come on, Mrs. Zero. What are you going to do, Clark? I'm going to try and contact Superman. What do you mean, try and find him? You always do. Why is that, Clark? Lois, this is no time for idle feminine curiosity. Your fortune's at stake, remember? Perhaps you'd like me to sit down and gossip never with you Never mind, never mind. I'm sorry I brought up the subject. I'm very glad to hear it. Now, will you please call Inspector Henderson and tell him to go over there right away with a couple of his best men? Right. Superman has found Leepa Magoon. And a tink. We didn't even have to point a gun. Unarmed robbery. <laughs> a million dollars worth, Ooh, you gorgeous money. Superman! Hey, we didn't mean nothing honest. I know, just a couple of nice boys out for a lark. What are you going to do to us, Superman? I'm not going to do a thing. However, I'd like you to meet a associate of mine. Come in, zero, 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 minus one. This job is much too big for Superman. Take over. Gladly, Superman. That should hold him until Inspector Henderson gets here. Mr. Zero, you really saved the day. I did, didn't I? Sure you did. Afterwards, Zero meets Perry White. And then Superman asked me to meet Mr. Kent, Miss Lane, and Jimmy back here. He said that you'd want to meet me. Yes, of course. I wouldn't have believed it otherwise. Have a cigar. Thank you. Aren't you afraid it'll stun his growth? This is very superior. Good, I'm glad you like it. I'll give you a box of them later. Back home, we smoke corn silk. Corn silk? What is it, Mr. Zero? This is the antenna for my helmet. They're sending me a message. What kind of a message? From Mars. From the Supreme Council. They say if I'm good enough for Superman, I'm good enough for them. They're sending a rocket ship for me. You're going home? Golly, that's great. What a story. We can drive you to where they're going to pick you up, and I'll get some pictures, and Miss Lane, you can... Uh, Jimmy, obviously Mr. Zero doesn't want to say this, 
But he's afraid if there are people around when the rocket ship approaches, his friends may be frightened away. That's right, Mr. Kent. Oh, of course. We'll take you to the meeting place and leave you there. Sure. Thank you. Goodbye, Mr. Kent. Mr. White. Goodbye. Well, you realize, of course, that the people in Washington are never going to believe this. I suppose not, Chief. You obviously didn't. Kent, I want to ask you a question. Yes, sir. I have here scissors, paper, and paper clips. Yes. Just how do you go about making those paper helicopters? <laughs> Chief, I thought you'd never ask me. It's very simple. All right. Now, this is not a great episode of The Adventures of Superman, and I feel like I'm saying that a lot during Season 5, but it's not a bad episode either. I mean, you can sit down and rip this episode to pieces, and I'm not going to do that because it's memorable. I watched this episode as a kid, and I remember it because I remember the the quirkiness of Mr. Zero. That image of Mr. Zero walking into the into Clark Kent's office in a spacesuit with a helmet and a couple of antennas is very memorable. That's the kind of thing you're going to remember. So I have an extra fondness for episodes that I remember watching when I was a child, and I remember this one. Yes, it's Silver Age silliness, but unlike The Stolen Elephant, this one is so out there that even the characters are aware enough that this is an unbelievable thing that just happened. I mean, they say several times during this episode, either the Pentagon's not going to believe it or Mr. White's not going to believe it. So they do play around with the fact that nobody's going to actually believe that they have in their office a man from Mars. And let's be honest, I'm disappointed that the man from Mars is not John Jones. I mean, he, I looked him up, I don't remember the dates exactly, but John Jones was around by now, but you know what, this show is going for quirky and funny. It's not really looking to have comic guest stars, even though I have no doubt that Mr. Haley's Circus in the Stolen Elephant episode was kind of a name drop of Haley's Circus from the Batman comics and the introduction of Robin. So anyway, we start out with Clark Kent making a paper helicopter while Perry's on the phone. Apparently, the Department of Defense has spotted a UFO. And it's kind of funny watching Perry take this phone call and then, you know, kind of relay what happened to Clark. Is that there is no way in this day and age that the Department of Defense would call the media about a UFO sighting. It's just not going to happen. But, you know, they're calling to have Perry get in contact with Superman to find it. You know, it's it's a rocket, and, you know. Clark doesn't seem too interested, and he makes an interesting comment about how people think he can turn Superman on and off like a water faucet. Clark said the same exact thing back in season in the season one episode, The Human Bomb. No comment until the time limit is up. Where he asked Betamillion Butler, who at this point was already on the ledge with Lois, if Butler thinks he can turn Superman on and off like a faucet. So, apparently people do. And, and you know what? Between you and me, dear listener, we know Clark can turn Superman on and off like a faucet. So before he leaves, Perry is giving Clark hell about making paper helicopters, saying it's a silly waste of time for a grown man. Maybe it is, but you know what? Maybe Perry is jealous because he can't do it. Just because Perry can't do it doesn't make it silly. And then the camera goes to Jimmy, and we can't tell here if he's tired or what because he's rubbing his eyes. But he's looking at something, and like I said, he's the man with the helmet with the antennas coming out of it, you know. Mr. Zero is in a red and blue spacesuit with a big helmet. You know, this is a very memorable thing. And what does he say? Of all things he could say, he says, take me to your leader. I'm not sure what the first thing I would expect 
an alien from another world to say to me if I were to encounter one, but I would hope it would be something a little bit more original than Take Me to Your Leader. And in this case, Take Me to Your Leader is Perry White. So apparently Clark was out and about trying to find this rocket ship that the Defense Department keeps talking about, and uh, he didn't find anything, and... So he meets uh, Mr. Zero in the office, and, you know, he mentions he's from Mars, and Clark has taken that very well. And I'm not sure if Clark believes it, but he's not really showing our new guest any sign that he doesn't believe his story. I'm also not sure that he believes our little friend is measly. And apparently we learned that he's a quarter of an inch shorter than everyone else, so apparently that makes him less of a Martian in the eyes of his fellow Martians. And Clark is doing... What you would expect Clark to do as Mr. Zero tears himself down, you know, kind of regurgitating what everybody has said about him, that he's measly, that he's little, that he'll, that he's stupid, that he'll never amount to nothing. Clark says things like that he can't believe anybody thinks he's stupid or he, gets, he just seems really offended when Mr. Zero points out that he no- thinks that he's a nothing and he says, that, no, I don't think you're a nothing. And, you know, he's almost angry about Mr. Zero thinking that little of himself. So he is... Doing his best to build up Mr. Zero's confidence in himself. I mean, when, while he's trying to do that, whether or not the, the little little guys from Mars is probably immaterial. He's just trying to help someone that he believes needs to help. So in comes Lois, and Mr. Zero points at her, and uh, she's stiff as a board. Jimmy makes a comment about women, but Clark is quickly realizing that something is up. And then he eventually just kind of sends Jimmy to uh, take Mr. Zero to the store and buy him some clothes to get him out of that spacesuit. And I don't think Zero catches this, but Clark, as he leaves, makes a little comment to Jimmy, go to the kids' department, which I thought was rather amusing. I didn't catch it when I watched the episode through the first time, but when I was listening back to the clips, that's when I caught what he said. And you always hear a little bit more when you listen to just the audio and you're not focusing on the visuals as well. Of course, as he leaves, Jimmy gets one more shot into Lois, calling her stone face. So apparently right here, Clark is making a connection between Mr. Zero and the rocket ship that Superman couldn't find. But right now, the big mystery is the power that Mr. Zero seems to wield just by pointing his finger at, at people. It made Lois stand very still. Now, a note about Mr. Zero before we move on. He is played by Billy Curtis, who was one of the Mole Men in Superman and the Mole Men back in 1951. However, his most famous role was probably as one of the Munchkins. I believe IMDb lists him as the Munchkin father in The Wizard of Oz. I'm not exactly sure which one is the Munchkin father. Maybe one of you can help me. Dave, calling Dave McElvenny, which munchkin is the munchkin father that is Billy Curtis. I'm not sure that if I went back through The Wizard of Oz and the Yellow Book Road sequence that I would actually recognize him. So anyway, here he is, Mr. Zero, looking very dapper in his little suit there. And apparently they don't have very many reflective surfaces on Mars, as Mr. Zero is quite fascinated by the mirror and by his own reflection. And you kind of look at that, and it's almost as if you get the feeling that he's seeing himself for the first time. I'm not sure how if these Martians these do things like shave or whatnot, but it's got to be difficult to do it without any kind of reflective surface. So the store owner comes out, and he and Mr. Zero tells him to throw the clothes out, and he kind of points to a man as he's leaving, and uh, this is Herb Vigran, and he's frozen. Frozen by the power of Mr. Zero's uh, index finger. So he leaves with uh, Georgia Gleep, who, uh, who is played by Vigran, just standing still, and, you know, when he comes to, apparently he was in for some socks. Shopkeeper mentions that Mr. Zero just dropped in from Mars. Like, he just came in from New Jersey. Some There are some that would say, who don't live in the state, that going to New Jersey is like going to someplace like Mars. But I have friends and relatives in New Jersey, and I work in New Jersey, so I am not going to make any judgments. 
But when, they return, when he returns to the office, Mr. Zero confirms Clark's theory about the rocket ship, and here is the chief making paper helicopters. Lois makes Mr. Zero aware of his pointing power, and Jimmy makes a comment about his long yawn, so apparently he is aware of being frozen while he's frozen, which is something Lois kind of danced around during her explanation to Clark. But it seems as though conscious thought continues, even though the person in question can't move until whatever Mr. Zero does has worn off. So that's kind of interesting. Just kind of standing there and being unable to move. Got to be a weird sensation. I can't blame Lois for not exactly uh, knowing how to describe what she felt while she was at in that state. So here comes Georgie Gleep to the planet who wants to recruit Zero into something. Lois is suspicious, but you know what? Mr. Zero, he's lonely. He just wants to make some new friends. He's on a new planet. He was kicked off his old one. You know, he wants to meet people. So he goes off with Gleep and Lois and Jimmy don't want him to, but you know, he kind of points out that, you know, it's okay to make friends, isn't it? And you know, they really can't give him much of an argument. I'm not sure what they know about Gleep, but they're suspicious of him. You could tell that, but they can't stop Mr. Zero. So he kind of goes off with Gleep. So Lois tells Clark what happened, and apparently Clark knows something about Georgie Gleep. And, you know, they go back to Georgie's place, which is somewhere. It's in that one country cabin that every criminal in the Avengers of Superman uses. So, into the door. Here comes Georgie's partner, Slouchy. Slouchy Magoon. What a name. With a name like Magoon, I don't think he's going to be the boss, do you? I think he's more likely to be a goon. Well, Mr. Zero is going to help them out, and here comes Georgie's plan. He's laying on how, basically, about how bankers are evil, and they're taking away all of Lois's money, and they're not giving it back to her, so she's not going to be able to pay her rent and cook and buy food for dinner. So, what we learn here is that there is no money on Mars. That is a moneyless society, much like the United Federation of Planets, at least as of whatever signifies at the present time in the 23rd century in those films. So, Vigran is doing a good job of feigning that he cares about Lois not having money. I'm used to her Vigran being much louder with a booming voice and also somewhat of an obnoxious voice, but it's nice that he gets to be low-key as well. Mr. Zero is turning his power loose on the bank tellers, and Georgie and Magoon are robbing the bank. It's interesting that Mr. Zero only freezes one banker at a time. You know, he comes in and he freezes the bank teller on the left. There are still two more on the right. So why couldn't they have done something about this? I'm not saying they're going to jump the goons and stop the crime, but they can at least call the police and get the ball rolling. So Mr. Zero returns to the Daily Planet, and they try to tell him the truth about Georgie, but he doesn't want to hear it. He's taken in by his new friend. And then Jimmy comes in and needs some money, and it starts a very long and windy and talky scene that gets us to the point where Mr. Zero believes that he was tricked by Georgie. And for all the silent acting with his body that Billy Curtis did in Mole Men, he goes quickly to hysteria here. Now, I do have one complaint about this episode, and that there is a lot of long and talky scenes. Just them talking through the situation. I guess it's because they can't show the rocket leaving Mr. Zero on Earth, so... The only way to deal with that is to talk it through in, ex- in the form of expositional dialogue. So it just bogs the episode down. Very l- Lots of long and talky scenes in Clark's office. Not a lot really happens. It just it drags the whole thing down. That's all. So apparently Mr. Zero was bullied on Mars and that's why he was banished. I, I guess he was considerable weak and useless. And uh, But this whole thing gives him a bit of crisis of confidence. And But he's kind of talked into, you know, bucking up and helping them take down Georgie. So... Good for him, and you know, he's working to redeem himself for the mistakes that he's made. Now, during this conversation, Mr. Zero talks about how all the Martians have admired Superman since he took care of the meteors. That could be a reference to Panic in the Sky, I'm not sure. It seems to be the one touchstone that several episodes of the Adventures of Superman hits. 
So after that, Clark was off to contact Superman, but Lois stopped him, suddenly wondering why Clark can always get a hold of him. It's because he is Superman, Lois. You've been trying to prove that he has for years. All of a sudden, you're going to play dumb? Georgie and, and Magoon are quite happy with themselves, and they're less happy when Superman arrives. But so Superman gives Mr. Zero his confidence back by letting him freeze Georgie and Magoon. And apparently somehow... Uh, the Mars Central Control Center is watching everything that Mr. Zero was doing. I'm not sure how they got a camera into Georgie's house, but they apparently do. Some, or maybe it's like Talos 4 in Star Trek, the original series. They're just beaming the uh, information right to the ship. The ship can see it from there. I don't know. But either way, it ends well for Mr. Zero and our characters as he gets a call from the Martians who didn't abandon him. I like the scene where they show that they're shocked that even at a quarter of an inch shorter than everyone else he can still get things done so at the end perry gives mr zero a box of cigars for his efforts and he gets a signal from mars they want him to come home because if he's good enough to help superman he's good enough for them so superman helped reunite the exiled martian mr zero with his people even though everybody's sad to see him leave they're happy that he's going on back to his life as it should be so yeah nice little episode you know some nice points that it makes so after everybody leaves, Perry can get to the important business of the day, learning how to make paper helicopters. Like I said, it's a kind of a dull episode, but it's memorable for Mr. Zero. Even if it's not one of the greatest episodes of the show, the Martian character of Mr. Zero is unique enough to make this episode very memorable. So, next time we're going to finish Season 5 with Whatever Goes Up, and then I will begin my coverage of the final season of The Adventures of Superman, Season 6, with the premiere, The Last Night. Now, if you want like to send some feedback to the show, you can feel free to send me an email. Feedback is always welcome at manofscreen at gmail.com. You can find the show's Facebook group. Just put the Man of Screen podcast into your search feed and the show should come up. Also find the show on Twitter at Man of Screencast. And uh, please feel free to review this show on iTunes and Stitcher. That will help others find the show in those directories. I'm also a regular co-host on the Fear of the Walking Dead cast on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. We just recently wrapped up talking about Season 7 of The Walking Dead, and we're kind of on a short hiatus right now as we wait for Fear of the Walking Dead to kick up in June. That is, I host that show with Scott McGregor, Sarah Tonin, and hopefully Brian and Beth Hughes will be back joining us for Fear of the Walking Dead. And also, I'll be on an upcoming episode of Weekly Heroics with Scott McGregor and the hair metal hero Chris Tyler. No word at the moment on when that's going to drop. I will let you know when I hear something in the Facebook group or on Twitter. So, until next time, folks, have a good one. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Don't miss the next thrill-packed episode in the amazing Man of Screen podcast. The Man of Screen podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all the opinions on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests. All music is in sound clips used in the making of this show or for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All trademarks are copyright their original copyright holders. The Man of Screen Podcast is a member of the Superman Podcast Network and can be found at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. The homepage for the show is manofscreen.podomatic.com, and you can email the show at manofscreen.gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.